VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, like he said, to the King's Corner. You've got Jim Layritz and we are talking baseball. After a big week of the winter meetings last week, we talked on Friday about some of the big signings, some of the teams that made some big splashes. This week, we have a couple guests on that we'll be talking about the improvement that their teams have made. Number one, we have Joe Fasaro of MLB.com of the Florida Marlins. He's coming up real soon here. We'll be talking to him about what in the heck is going on in South Florida. We saw Dwayne Wade and LeBron make a big splash in the basketball world. And now I think it's Jeffrey Loria keeping up with the Joneses. And now bringing in some big names and spending a lot of money as the Marlins move into their new stadium. We will talk with Joe all about what's going on down there in South Florida. And also in the second half, the other big news out of the winter meetings and the big signings came from the Los Angeles Angels. And we'll be talking to Alden Gonzalez of MLB.com also about all their new moves and the roster changes that are going on here in L.A. So without any further ado, we are going to get right into it. Once again, if you do want to email me at info at com or call in at one eight 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 one eight eight eight. 346-9144. We'll take your calls if you want to join us. But let me go ahead and welcome in my good buddy, my friend, who I've spent a lot of time with down in South Florida, spent a lot of Marlins games together, and it's Joe Fasaro. Joe Fasaro, MLB.com, Florida Marlins reporter. Joe, how are we doing today? Jim, how you doing, buddy? Sounds a little windy down there in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm outside uh, just getting a little lunch. Um uh, outside uh, after we had a little morning press conference with uh, Jose Reyes and uh, Heath Bell, just yeah, kind of introducing them to uh, to South Florida. And Jim, you got to get used to it. Miami Marlins. I, you know what? I keep Florida saying Marlins. it. Yeah, it's uh, the new era. New era, new uniforms, new stadium. Let's first talk about the stadium first, and let's talk about what this has meant to the Florida Marlins to be able to get out of Joe, you know, I call it Joe Robbie still, but the old stadium that just completely handcuffed them to what they could do with their, with their budget. Tell me now, Joe, a little bit about the new stadium, what the budget has done for these Florida Marlins. Well, I mean, they Miami Marlins, never before, you know, <laughs> sharing, sharing or paying rent to the Miami Dolphins for 19 years and not, you know, being the, you know, primary tenant at the ballpark they used to play in Sun Life Stadium, uh, they didn't have concession stands. They didn't have parking. They didn't have suites. They didn't have naming rights. If they sold advertising in the ballpark that they sold, they got 50% of that. The new ballpark 
they get all the revenue streams. Never enjoyed such, you know, you know, never enjoyed that before. And it's like what, you know, the Yankees, the Yankee Stadium made money. They're making more money in their new Yankee Stadium, you know, with, with their new revenue streams. The Marlins are now not in equal footing with the Yankees, but they are certainly getting a more equal footing with a lot of teams in baseball. And rather than, you know, waiting for these uh, revenues to, to start coming in, they are projecting these revenues and putting it towards payroll. And we saw it with $191 million worth of contract commitments uh, in a five-day span last week at the winter meetings in bringing in three all-stars, Mark Burley, he fell, and Jose Reyes. Yeah, now let's talk a little bit about the stadium and, the, and, and what, they're, what they're planning on. And as far as, Joe, I know you and I have talked about it a lot, you know, the old Sun Life Stadium was was in a pretty good position for people to come to the games, but now we're talking about all the way down there at the Orange Bowl. Uh, what do you see as far as any foreseeable problems as far as being able to get that fan base to come all the way down there? Well, I, I think uh, you know they're banking obviously on Miami, you know, to to do a chair and sell the chair tickets, um, and so far it's happening. Um, you know, a lot of ticket sales. And, you know, the signings they made last week um, have boosted interest in tickets, has boosted uh, corporate sponsors wanting to, you know, partner in with the Marlins. So, um, obviously, people want to see it. You know, the people are, you know, they want to see that uh, the product's going to be improved, and they see that. They want the big names. They've seen, they're seeing that. And now uh, the market is, uh, you know, it's still a little bit of a down economy, and people are having a hard time buying that full-season ticket package, but... They are buying, um, and they expect to have big, big crowds in a ballpark that has a roof um, and in a ballpark that's uh, going to be really second to none. It's going to be an outstanding place, Jim. When you get down here to see it, you're going to you know, marvel at it. Um, and uh, they're just hoping that it's like a new beginning, and uh, this new rebranding that they're doing will uh, really catch on with the people of South Florida. What about the the area? You know, I've been down to many Miami, the, the University of Miami games down there when they used to play. What about the area itself? Are they are they improving the area around there? Are they putting in restaurants? Are they going to try to make it more like you know every other stadium that has gone up into these areas to try to improve the area around the stadium? The ideal plan would it be a little bit like Wrigleyville with the surrounding area. It's Little Havana. Um, it's uh, an area that's used to sporting events. Um, maybe not 81 and, you know, in a year, you know, considering that, you know, whoa, whoa. Um, uh, and, uh, and they're just, uh, standing outside Jim and a crow flew onto my food. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I foresee one problem already. <laughs> yes, and, uh, so, uh, so that was kind of a downer, but anyway, in terms of the area, um, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, them really banking on the people of Miami uh, coming out and seeing them, and, and then they hope to draw from Broward and Palm Beach as much as they can as well. But, um, you know, it's going to be a, obviously, wait and see, but uh, first-year ticket sales are going to be good, you know, and, you know, then they're going to have to sustain. That's why they were so in, so hot and heavy on Albert Pujols was because of what um, he could do for about a five-, six-year period of selling tickets. And when that didn't happen, they, they moved in another direction. Well, let's talk about a little bit about the changes going on there as far as the team personnel. And let's first start off with Ozzie Guillen coming in as the manager. Tell me a little bit about what you think, Ozzie, and, you know, it, of course, some of the some of the problems he's going to deal with right away, of course, is the, the, the 
the signing of Reyes and the Hanley Ramirez situation. Tell me a little bit about first Ozzy and then how you think he's going to handle this situation. Well, I mean, Ozzy, Ozzy knows that he's, uh, his job is going to make everybody happy. That's going to be his biggest challenge. And, um, and he's uh, prepared for that. And one of the reasons tomorrow's feel that Reyes and Ramirez can work is because of Ozzy Gann. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big task for Ozzy, and uh, he's no stranger to controversy or a stranger to, you know, putting his neck on the line. And, uh, you know, he's, it's going to be uh, something that everyone's going to be watching in spring training and then as they move forward. Now let's talk a little bit about that. Has there any been any rumblings? I know, you know, what gets reported sometimes isn't the truth. You're down there every day with these guys. Has Hanley really you know, decided that this is really what he wants to do? And is he on? Well, I mean, Han- Hanley's a little bit in a bind because you know, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that consider him a shortstop. So if he left Miami. You know, would he be going to another area? He's still under contract for what three or so more years. Um, and you know, Hanley has always said he wants to win, and I think that yeah, his feelings were hurt. You know, he's got a lot of pride, and I think that you know, if Hanley's hitting to me, then Hanley's happy. <laughs> you know, if Hanley's not hitting, then other things make him not happy. So um, yeah, it's going to be an adjustment, and there's going to be you know some. Uh, you know, a little hurt pride, but nothing I think that won't be, uh, you know, taken care of when actually he has to show up to work and do his job. Joe, Joe, I want to stay on the offensive side, and I look at this lineup, and when I look at the names, I look at guys like you know, Mike Stanton now getting an extra year under his belt, Gabby Sanchez another year, proving that he's a little bit, you know, he's consistent. Where do you see this lineup in, in terms of power and, and ranking amongst the NL East? Uh, with, with some of the pitching that they have in the NL East? Well, I think a lot's still going to... I think the key is going to be Hanley, obviously. You know, he's going to have to hit third and be Hanley of 2009 and, and the years before that when he was, you know, a legitimate, you know, 30 home run, 100 RBI, 100 run score guy. If he's performing at that level, then, you know, watch out. If not, you know, you got Reyes and Bonifacio at the top of the order. They should be, you know, pretty dynamic, a lot of speed, obviously. Um, can wreak a lot of havoc. Uh, Mike Stanton clearly, you know, is going to be a force in this league. Um, I'm still, I think a lot's going to be falling on him. You know, they're going to be asking him at age uh, 22 now to to really step up, be a you know real real impact bat, which we know he can be, but is he ready to be? Um, Gabby Sanchez, as you mentioned, is a solid you know 2090 type of player. Uh, Logan Morrison's also going to be asked to to do a lot. So. They don't have that real big, big thunder if, uh, you know, besides Stanton in terms of a guy that's, you know, the legitimate 30-plus homer guy. Uh, and that's, uh, I think they'd like to add a bat, but I think um, they got a pretty deep lineup now. If John Buck's hitting eighth, uh, you know, it's a pretty good eighth hitter, and if Infante is hitting seventh, you know, so they got they got pretty good depth in that lineup. Uh, uh and I think that the key, again, would be Hanley and uh, whether or not they stack up with the Phillies. The Phillies' offense kind of sputtered at the end. I, I think they kind of stack up with the Braves as well, though. Let me ask you a question, too. There's one name that I keep wondering after such a great year is Chris Coughlin. Where is he fit in this situation, and how is he looking right now? I'm sorry, Jim. Which name? 
Chris Coughlin, is this guy going to be, oh, having, you know, no, I think, a great I think, uh, year? Kind of, Where does he sit yeah, right now, or is he somebody that they, they may be using for a possible trade somewhere down the line? Yeah, possibly moving him. I mean, he's got to, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Um, he wasn't, you know, he had a really, really, really rough year last year. Um, it's going to be a big spring training for him. Obviously, you know, uh, injuries happen. Um, if uh, he'll get a good look, uh, he's not yet at arbitration, but I'm sure that and he's the thing about Coughlin. He's a little bit of stuck without a position. You know, he's they don't really consider him an infielder, even though that's what he played his entire minor league career. And uh, then he played center field and did an adequate job there. Uh, you know, commendable job there before he got hurt, and his offense really dipped. So. Um, big, big spring training for Coglin and, you know, whether, you know, he makes this team or chosen up to be moved. Yeah, well, I look at it, you know, the only thing, the reason I kind of wondered if they're thinking about possible trades is I saw that they made a minor league deal with Aaron Rowland, and I thought that could be maybe a sign that says, okay, here's our fourth outfielder, we can move Coglin now. Yeah, but he, you know, his trade value isn't really high right now either, so, uh, you know, coming off missing pretty much three quarters of the year, and having a poor, you know, poor first half, and before that, so um, again, he's gonna—he's still young, with 26 years old, and um, obviously was rookie of the year only what two, three years ago, and you know they're gonna want to see—they still feel that offense is there, and obviously, if it does, it adds a lot of depth to that to that outfield. Yeah, that's—I I see that happen. I think I think one of the things that I look at this lineup, and I. You know, offensively, I look at the division that they're in, number one, with having to face the Phillies, pitching staff, and the things like that. And, you know, it's, it's a young lineup, but it's also a lineup that has had now some experience. And I think, you know, like you said, it's it's going to be a lineup that could, that could put up some numbers uh, and, and, and to, to support their pitching staff that they have. Yeah, I think, Jim, I can just tell you their top priority is not, an, uh, not a bat right now. They're looking at another starter. You know, that's right. their top priority, you know, so... Um, if they can pull that off between now and spring training and, you know, add, uh, you know, they're, you know, Josh Willingham just signed with their year 21. You know, there are guys out there that could be productive that aren't going to command the kind of dollars Prince Fielder is going to command. So, um, I think, you know, it's still not a finished, uh, product, but they're certainly a lot better than they were three weeks ago. No, exactly. Well, Joe, listen, we got to take a quick break. I want to come back on the other side with you if you can. Talk about the starting pitching and some of the, the stuff that they, they've made some moves. So, can, okay. can, can you stay on with me a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, just a couple more minutes. All right, we're going to go and take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Joe Fasaro to talk about the Marlins pitching. School to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and we are talking Florida Marlins, or I'm sorry, I keep saying it, Miami Marlins baseball with Joe Fasaro, the site reporter for MLB.com for the Marlins. Joe, let's talk about now, we've talked about the offense, let's talk a little bit about the pitching, and of course, the first thing we got to talk about is the starting pitching and the addition of Mark Burley and what he means to this, this rotation. Tell me a little bit about his signing and what, what this does for the Marlins. Oh, yeah, I mean, first of all, he brings an established uh, veteran with a winning uh, you know, winning resumes, won a World Series, an All-Star, a uh, Gold Glove winner. Um, you know, 11 straight years, 200 innings, 11 straight years, 10 or more wins. And in a staff that's had trouble uh, keeping guys healthy, uh, gives you a front-line, uh, you know, guy that could uh, go up against anybody in the game. Um, big, big acquisition. Uh, they say he was their top priority uh, in terms of pitching in the offseason. They got him. Uh, key, obviously, is going to be uh, Josh Johnson. You know, here's an, a legitimate ace, one of the top pitchers in the game, who has uh, been hurt the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and if Josh uh, is performing uh, the way, you know, if he's healthy, let's say, he will perform the way he does because that always happens. And uh, if not, you know, they need 30 starts from Josh Johnson. Otherwise, uh, it could be, a, you know, a year of disappointment. How, yeah, how do you see Burley fitting in down there at the new stadium with the dimensions and the way it is? What are they, what are they feeling like as far as is it, is it designed for a pitcher like him? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, center I think is 422, gaps are like 395, you know, so, uh, you know, I think it's, I, I think the ballpark's going to, you know, favor pitchers, you know, and they're, they're at least hoping it does. Um, and, you know, keys also be Ricky Nolasco and, you know, Anibal Sanchez stepping up. And, you know, as of now, Chris Volstadt and Wade LeBlanc will fire it out for the fifth spot. But, like I said, they're still looking for a starter. Yeah, let me ask you a question, because this, this has been puzzling for me after watching him and the, and the amount of ability that he has. Kind of reminds me of A.J. Burnett. What's going on with Volstead? Is they think they can get this kid straightened out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he's... <laughs> You know, he's still a pretty young kid, uh, so, um, 
he's got upside, but you know, he a lot of losing and a lot of uh, a lot of big innings and a lot of you know a high ERA. So I'm not sure they're completely confident going into the season with him. You know, just saying, hey, you are for sure the fifth guy. So um, you know, it's you know they're going to have to uh, see what happens in terms of now and on the trade market. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I see this rotation not quite being. Probably the best one in the NL East, but at the same time, if Johnson is healthy, and what if, you know, just let me ask you real quick, what is the reports on Johnson? What have they been saying? Uh, JJ's healthy now. I mean, he had he had uh, shoulder inflammation. It, it really didn't clear up. He didn't have surgery. He pitched the final week of the year up in Jupiter, facing live batters. Season, he says that the season lasted another week or so, he would have been back on the mound in the big league. So. But there's still the unknown. He hasn't pitched since mid-May in the big league. So, you know, you're just going by the hope that, uh, you know, that everything's taken care of, that, yes, the shoulders are worse than elbows, but he didn't have surgery on that shoulder. So, um, you know, they're just hoping that, you know, the, the downtime will, uh, will have uh, cured everything that needs to be cured. All right, well, now let's look at their bullpen a little bit. Of course, the big signing for them this offseason was Heath Bell. Tell me a little bit about what Heath Bell does for this bullpen and what he means to the Marlins right now. Well, I mean, what, since so nine, since he became a closer, he's led, you know, he's had the most saves of any closer in the game. So, um, established guy, um, a leader, um, you know, a guy who's pitching the big stage, a guy who... Uh, who solidifies the ninth? And, and keep in mind, you know, Leo Nunez uh, now is Juan Carlos Oviedo because of the, the name identity. Uh, <laughs> he is he is on a restricted list, still in the Dominican Republic, trying to get clear to pitch. And with that uncertainty, they clearly needed a closer, and they went out and got one of the better ones on the market. And um, they're hoping now whether uh, they call him now JC uh, Oviedo, if he returns, he might be in a setup role. He might get traded. Or, you know, they, they got some other pieces they kind of like there, too, in the bullpen with with Edward Mejica, Ryan Webb, uh, Mike Dunn, and Randy Choate. And um, and they got a couple of in-house kids, Steve Ciszek being one of them, who they feel uh, could could really uh, help that bullpen. And uh, what, do you see this bullpen rounding out as one of the one of the stronger points for this ball club? Um, I think it'll be, you know, dependent on the starters. You know, if uh, if the starters, you know, last year the bullpen got overused because of lack of depth on the starters when JJ went down. So I think that's going to be big, big, big key. All right, Joe. Give me a prediction. You got you know. I look at the moves the Marlins have made. I see where they're at. They're in a new ballpark. A lot of excitement going on down there. And I look at the NL East, and I still see them as maybe the third best team in that league. What do you think? I think if they could get a starter between now and spring training, uh, I think they're a playoff contender, serious one. If not, I think as as is, uh, they're going to need a lot to go right to get to the playoffs. But I probably would agree with you. Now, you talk about $191 million spent. Do they have anything left, let's just say, to go after a guy like Oswalt or somebody like that that's still out there? I'm sorry, what's your name? I said they've spent $191 million, like we yeah. talked about. Do they have anything more left to go after somebody like an Oswalt or somebody else that's still out there? Oh, Oswalt? Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think, the, I think the key with Roy would be the evaluation of whether they think he's worth the money uh, based on his injury risk. Uh, that's a name I, I haven't 
completely given up on yet as a possibility, but uh, I think trade might be more realistic. All right, Joe. Well, give me a prediction. What do you think? What do you, if, if you had to pick a number of wins, how many wins did you give the Marlins this year? Well, this team constructed now, 86-87. And you think that's enough? No, I mean, you got to get to 90, so uh, right. that would mean... Uh, and, but, again, the offseason's not over yet. You know, and that prediction... Uh, can change between now and uh, by the time uh, we start playing. All right, Joe. Well, well uh, February 19th is the big date, and everyone's going to be excited. Best of luck, and I look forward to talking to you during the season. All right, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank okay. you very much. Bye. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Fasaro, of course, the site reporter for MLB.com, talking the Miami Marlins. Boy, that's going to take me a long time to get used to. Miami Marlins. And I think if you've ever seen the uniforms, I think that's going to take a little getting used to also. But a lot of excitement down in South Florida. You know, I, I, I spent many, I spent 25 years down in Fort Lauderdale and have not seen uh, much, much ba good baseball going on there. But I think with the new ballpark and like we talked about, they finally have the money to be able to go out there. And a lot of people have accused Jeffrey Loria of being cheap. And after what happened with the Montreal Expos, that he, he wasn't willing to spend the money. He wasn't willing to do all these things. But I think, like Joe just said, he was handicapped because of that ballpark, because of the deal that unfortunately John Henry got them into. And, you know, a lot of excitement down there, of course. You know, you have the, the Miami heat uh, and, and all the stuff that's going on with them. You have the, the new ownership of the Dolphins who are making a big splash. They're trying to even though that team hasn't got off to a great start or great season. But then also now the Marlins with the new ballpark and, and the new guys coming in. I think you're going to see some, this is going to become a major market. They're going to try to compete with the New Yorks and the LAs of, uh, of the world and uh, you know, lot, lots of excitement. I still wonder because of the location of the ballpark are they going to be able to draw the people? Because I know this much. Where I lived in Fort Lauderdale in Navy, that it would take me at least 45 minutes to an hour with traffic to get down to a 7 o'clock game. Uh, so it, that to me is going to be a, maybe a sticking point for a lot, of, a lot of their fans to be able to get to the ball games. But we'll see what happens. But uh, like I said, February 19th, I'm sure they're circling the calendars down there. They're seeing some excitement. When this team reports to Jupiter, Florida for spring training, and uh, like like Joe said, they're not done. They still have some possible moves to make to go get a starter, to go bolster this lineup a little bit. And uh, I think, to be honest with you, the biggest biggest thing that we're going to see is how Hanley Ramirez adjusts to going to third base. Is this something? Maybe if Hanley gets off to a rough start, if he makes a couple errors, if uh, if he does some things that just you know, uh, doesn't get off to a good start, how, how he maintains uh, how happy he is. But I think Joe made a great point. I think he makes a great point that other teams don't necessarily look at Hanley Ramirez as a shortstop. Um, so you know, if anybody can do it, I think Ozzie Guillen, of course, with his influence, could possibly keep that those two guys happy. Uh, you know, one thing you got to remember too is if Reyes can Reyes stay healthy. Uh, I got an email here from, I believe this is a New York Mets fan, that says, "All's good in Marlin world," but they don't know, realize how hurt Jose Reyes is all the time. And when Hanley Ramirez has to look next to him and sees a different shortstop playing that's not of his capability. Will he still be happy? Great question. 
great question. That is kind of the thing that we have to wonder that, you know, Hanley Ramirez is playing third base and all of a sudden he looks next door and, you know, Reyes is out for two weeks with the on the DL or something and he sees a guy like Bonifacio or somebody else playing shortstop. Is Hanley going to be able to handle that, especially if he's not off to a good start? So those are some of the things that will, will remain to be seen. But I think overall, that excitement, this ball club, when you look at the lineup, when you look at the bullpen, you look at the starting rotation, of course, with Josh Johnson being the key uh, and the addition of Mark Burley, this could be a team that could compete with the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves as a division possible winner and, of course, a wild card. So we'll see what happens down there in South Florida. Lots of excitement. We will take a quick break, and we will be back on the other end to talk to Alden Gonzalez, MLB.com site reporter for the Los Angeles Angels. And as much excitement that's going down in South Florida, I'm telling you, I live out here in L.A. The buzz is unbelievable. Albert Poole, C.J. Wilson, some of the names that we'll be talking about. What is happening in Angel Land? We'll be right back to talk to Alden Gonzalez. Coming up. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're inside the king's corner talking baseball with jim layritz it's time to hear from you call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346 346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayrits.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And of course, yes, we are talking baseball. You are on the King's Corner. And uh, we just got done speaking with Joe Fasaro. And, and we heard all the excitement going on in South Beach, of course. The Miami, the Miami Marlins, no longer the Florida Marlins, have a lot of excitement going down down there with some of the signings with Reyes and, and Burley and some of the big, big, big names that are going on. But 
Right now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring on Alden Gonzalez, the MLB site reporter for the Los Angeles Angels. And despite what might be happening in Florida, Alden, what is going on in Angel Land? Of course, some huge names being signed. Uh, Artie Moreno going into the winter meetings and says, okay, listen, we're going to step it up here a notch. Tell me a little bit about just what you saw happen during these winter meetings and, of course, the big signing of Albert Pujols. Well, I mean, it's so interesting. You're totally right. I mean, it looked like for a while there, the Marlins were stealing the show of the winter meetings, and then in comes the Angels in one fell swoop, and they landed two of the biggest free agents, and they steal the show in the last the last half day of the winter meetings. Um, it was surprising to everybody because going into the offseason, Moreno stated that he pretty much had between 15 and $20 million to spend because he didn't want to go over $140 million with his payroll next season. But, you know, as he told us, during the availability last Saturday when they held that press conference for Pools and CJ, he kind of felt that, you know what, if it's possible to get a guy like Pools because he's an iconic figure, because he could take your franchise to a new level, because he could increase attendance and merchandise sales and put you on national TV more, you know, I mean, Artie's a former marketing guy. You go out and get that guy. So, you know, it was about Tuesday night when DePoto called Albert Pools' his agent um, it, it's funny, uh, Dan Lozano, Albert Pujols' agent, shared a funny little exchange with us. Jerry DePoto called Lozano, and um, Dan didn't, wasn't even sure what client Jerry was, was uh, asking about. Because he didn't <laughs> think that he was even in the running for Albert Pujols. And then the, so, so Dan's like, how can I help you, Jerry? And Jerry's like, well, we want to talk about number five. And then that's when Lozano told us that he got a really big smile on his face because he knew that Pujols would be intrigued by the Angels. And, you know, Jerry, one thing that he's made clear since he took over as GM, he's not kidding around. You know, he told him he was interested in Bulls. By the next morning, he had a concrete offer from them. They negotiated throughout the day. Um, by the end of the night on Wednesday, Bulls had his offer, his set offer. He slept on it. By 7.30 the next morning, he called them and told them that he was going to be an angel. I mean, it was just fascinating how this developed and how quickly, really. And it's a credit to Jerry. Um, first year on the job, first few months on the job, and look what he does. And Artie, too. I mean, he stepped in. He called. He talked to Pujols directly. Pujols kept referencing Artie Moreno as, you know, he had never even talked to him before, but talking to him in five minutes, he could feel his passion. And that was a big reason why he decided to sign with the Angels, too. And, I mean, the Angels, they've lost out on Mark Teixeira before. They've lost out on Carl Crawford. They've lost out on CeCe Sabathia. They couldn't re-sign John Lackey. And, he, and here they signed two of the biggest free agents. I mean, it, it's stunning, to say the least. Well, let's talk a little bit about Pujols in his contract. And, you know, everyone's talking down here. They're, they're excited. They're happy. But then they're also looking at a guy like A-Rod, who at the end of this contract that the Yankees did with him, is kind of fading off a little bit. What is the concern, or is there any concern, that maybe the last three or four years of this contract, that Pujols may not be, because of his age, the same ball player that he might be the first six year? And is that worth giving up for these first six years? Well, I, I think there is definitely concern. I mean, you you, you think you got to think here. I mean, that contract annual average annual value is just over twenty five million dollars. And as great as Albert Pools is, there's you got to know that in his age thirty eight, thirty nine, forty, forty one seasons, he's not going to be a twenty five million dollar player. I mean, I've never seen anybody, uh, maybe Barry Bonds when he was with the Giants, that that was worth twenty five million dollars in those seasons. I the the way I see it is. Um, that's what you have to pay to get a guy like Pujols. You know this better than anybody else. 
Uh, you don't get an Albert Pujols without doing that. And I think sometimes teams just, you know, they they give out these contracts knowing that they're going to have to eat up money towards the end of it because they want that player that badly. And I think that was, I guess that was a testament to Artie's uh, commitment to winning. He had not been willing to go over budget on, on certain players before, and this time he was able to do it. Um, and you're right, Alex Rodriguez is a good point. Alex Rodriguez signed with the Rangers. He signed that monster deal, that game-changing deal. And, you know, first year that A-Rod was there, attendance was up. Um, everything was good in Texas, but they didn't start winning. And then all of a sudden, the attendance went back down. So, you know, with all the buzz that's surrounding Pools now and the team keeps updating us with all these new ticket sales and season ticket packages that they've been selling and the merchandise and stuff, the buzz goes away if you're not winning after year one. But I think the Angels have assembled the ball club here that could compete for titles now. Oh, I think so, too. But let's talk a little bit now what Pools brings to this lineup. And, you know, we, we watched it in St. Louis uh, and you know, we've seen it in other places when these big-name ballplayers come in and you put them in the lineup and you worry about being pitched around. Where do you see Pujols fitting in this lineup and who's going to be the, basically the guy that really benefits because they're going to see some better pitching behind Pujols? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, he's definitely going to bat third in this lineup. And the question now is who's going to protect him? I think the one, one guy who's really going to benefit now is Howie Kendrick just because he had a very good year last year, and it seems like he's going to be the number two hitter in front of Pujols. And, I mean, you, you know this better than anybody. If you're, if you're the guy hitting in front of the guy that drives in all the runs, you're going to get pitches hit because they don't want to put you on base. So Kendrick may be a good, a good benefactor from having Pujols there. Um, I think his presence alone makes everybody better. But the big question right now for the Angels is who's going to protect Albert Pujols. That's the big question right now. Um, you got to think, um, I, I just did a, a blog post on this. Albert Pujols had Matt Holiday hitting behind him in St. Louis, a legit cleanup hitter. And even with Holiday hitting behind him, he walked 103 times between 2010 and 2011, seventh most in the majors. He was intentionally walked 38 times, the most in the majors. So nobody was intentionally walked more than Albert Pujols, even though he had a legit cleanup hitter batting behind him. So they're going to have to see what they do there. Um, Mark Trumbull is an obvious candidate because of the power numbers he put up last year. But he's young, and, you know, he hit 254 with a 768 OPS in his rookie season. That's not great. Um, you got Torrey Hunter and Vernon Wells, two aging outfielders, that you're not sure if, they're, if they could still give you what they gave you before. And the most interesting one is Kendrick Morales. Uh, obviously, he hasn't played in a year and a half. If he could even come close to equaling the player he was in 2009, the Angels would be set because he's a switch hitter. And he's pretty much the only guy in that Angels lineup that can give you some power from the left side. Yeah, exactly. And I look at that. That that could be really a wild card for the Angels this off or this this spring, if he comes back healthy, uh, and you want to put him in that lineup. Then they got to think about maybe trading a Trumbo or you know where you know there's there's a few other names too that are out there that you know Mike Trout is another one that comes out that you want to probably give a chance to this year. Uh, there, there could be an interesting trade possibly happen uh, if, if Morales does come back healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you never know what's going to happen with these guys. Um, you don't know going to go down relatively soon. My, my feeling is that they want to keep Mark Trumbo and try him out at third base in spring training because if he can play third base and they can keep his bat in the lineup, that's going to be huge for them. Um, I think it makes little sense to trade Kendrick Morales now just because his stock is so low and, you know, so. Well, one team can pick him up, and, uh, and then he shows he's healthy in spring, and they get, and they get so much out of him for so little. 
Um, I feel my gut feeling right now is they want to keep their options open to maybe open up a trade in spring trade. But who knows? Um, the, the one guy who seems like the odd man out here is Bobby Abreu. But he's, he's owed $9 million next season. He's going to be 38 years old, um, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a tough contract to move. Yeah, they're going to have to eat, I think, a little bit of that contract if they want to try yeah. to get him out of there. So that'll be interesting. Now, let me ask you a question. One of the smaller signings this offseason for the Angels has been where their biggest weakness was last year, and that was in the catching department as far as offensive goes. And they signed Chris Iannetta, which I think, to me, this is probably the key to the to this Angels offseason of really making this lineup one through nine a pretty a pretty formidable lineup. What do you think about that signing? Um, you know what I like bringing in a good offensive minded catcher. Um, and what, one thing that I I've been speaking to some guys who covered the Rockies um, and covered Chris Iannetta for a long time. Um, they really liked his on base percentage. He had a three seventy on base percentage uh, this past season. Um, that's big for Jerry Depoto. Um, he's, he's a good game caller, too. He's very, very bright. Very good game caller. And his arm strength improved, improved a lot last season. That's one thing I keep hearing about Chris Iannetta. The, the one concern that I have about Chris Iannetta, first of all, you gave up Tyler Chatwood, who um, I, I know he wasn't, maybe he wasn't going to even make the rotation this season, but he's a young um, starting pitcher who may still have some upside. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe the Angels front office did agree with that, though. Um, the one thing that I do... Um, have concerns about with Chris Iannetta was his home and road splits, um, and I'm looking at him right now. He hit he hit a shade over 300 in course field last season. He hit a buck 72 everywhere else. That's one concern that I have with Iannetta. Um, was it just an anomaly? We'll see. But that that's got to be a little bit concerning when you look at Chris. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people were talking too about you know, this is this is going to be his third year now, and a lot of his responsibility in in Colorado was a young pitching staff with a bunch of guys that he really had to concentrate on the defensive side, and maybe now joining the Angels with a little bit more veteran staff that he will be able to you know t- to really flourish a little more offensively. So that remains to be seen. But that was a really really big sticking point with the Angels last year uh, was was the offensive production they were getting out of the catcher, and I think maybe that that, that will be the improvement uh, that, that, that may help this lineup. No, and you're absolutely right. You, you brought up a good point. You have to focus so much more on the game calling with the younger staff. Here, he's got a veteran staff, and he's got Mike Sosha, too, to help him along the way. So that that's that's a little bit of a burden off of him. That's a good point. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk now. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about the other addition to this team. And I think this was the biggest surprise. Everybody heard Albert Pujols, and you know, I was at the winter meetings Monday and Tuesday, and I, I left a little bit before the fireworks happened. But everybody talked about the Pujols thing, and then I remember listening to the radio here and, and listening. Well, Wilson's going to be next. Didn't even think that was on the radar. But tell us a little bit about how that deal came about and how C.J. Wilson decided to come home and, and, and be a hometown guy right, right here back in, in, in with the Angels. My feeling with the C.J. Wilson deal is um, they, they've been wanting C.J. Wilson for a while. C.J. Wilson, when, when free agency began, that was the guy that they targeted. That was the guy that they met with, that they had dinner with. Um, they met with his GM in Milwaukee during the general matter with his, with his agent during the general manager's meetings in Milwaukee. They've targeted him for a while. And speaking of Mike Social during the winter meetings, he brought up that he was asked directly, "Would you prefer to have add a bat, or would you prefer to add an arm to the rotation?" He said that he preferred to add an arm to the rotation because they need rotation depth. 
and without it, you don't get anywhere. He's a, he's a guy who was born and raised in Orange County. I feel like he was a target all along. And then if they got, and then as they move, as they move towards the end of the winter meetings, they just jumped in on pool holes because already just said, you know what, let's go for it. Um, that's the way I think it went. So, you know, it was interesting because late Wednesday night, and you're right, I mean, I agree with you. I never thought that they could get both of them. Um, I, I never thought that both of them would agree to sign with the Angels, and I never thought they could afford both of them. But in, into Wednesday night, they were having parallel negotiations. They were negotiating with Dan Lozano. They were negotiating with C.J. Wilson. C.J. says that all he knew about Pujols during that time was just re- what he was reading on Twitter. Um, he says that the Pujols decision had nothing to do with his decision. But it's interesting that both decisions came within minutes of each other on Thursday morning. And um, according to what, to what C.J. Wilson said, if it was about the money, he would have signed with the Marlins. Um, because the Marlins were offering six years and a little bit more of a total value. Maybe the average annual value was a little bit less, but they were offering more years. The, the Marlins even offered a seventh-year option that he said that he may have been able to turn into a player option just because they wanted him so bad. Um, in the end, he says he took a little bit less money to, to come back home. And I, I think the Marlins were resented to the fact that C.J. Root wanted to pitch in L.A. Um, just because it's his hometown and because he's got so many other uh, interests in uh producing and um, and uh, photography and stuff, and he's got Hollywood over here, and it was just such a perfect fit for CJ. And he, he comes on, and I think they have the deepest rotation in the American League right now. All right, well, give me one second. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about that rotation, where he fits in, what he does to this team, and whether or not this bullpen can close these games out that, this, that they may be leading in. So we'll be right back. And we'll talk a little bit more about the starting pitching for the Los Angeles Angels. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lawrence is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel the fans now have a voice to speak their mind no holds barred they need to bench his ass and then move oh, on i just, I just think that the coach made a mistake oh, crazy <laughs> nfl mlb nba nhl speak up speak up or forever hold your mouth we ain't playing around here voice america sports 
You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone, and we are talking Angels baseball. And, of course, we just spent the first few minutes talking about the offensive side and the pool signing, the Chris Iannetta signing, and we just started getting into the C.J. Wilson. And tell me a little bit of, you know, all, I'm speaking with Alden Gonzalez, of course, the MLB.com site reporter for the Los Angeles Angels this year. Alden, tell me a little bit about where he fits in this, this rotation with Weaver, Heron, and Santana, and what, what this does now, I mean, I look at this rotation, and I see these first four guys, and, you know, you, you don't get much better than what, what, they, what they're going to be offering. Uh, tell me a little bit about where he fits in and what, what you see he does for this rotation. Well, it, it looks like to me he's going to slide in the number three spot just behind uh, Weaver and Heron and just uh, above Irvin Santana. Um, I mean, you look at the Angels, they were number one in overall ERA in the American League last season. I think they were third in starting pitcher ERA. I think you slide Wilson in there, not only is he, I mean, I would think that Irvin Santana ranks among the best number four starters in baseball. I mean, it would just be a tribute to just how deep they are. And Wilson is not only a great pitcher to slide in the number three spot, um, he's a left-hander who gives them balance now. He's, he'll be their only left-hander in the rotation. He slides right in the middle of that rotation. Um, and it's a comfort for him because, you know, he was the ace in Texas, kind of the de facto ace once Cliff Lee left. I think two, three starters better um, position for CJ. And you, you got to look at this. Um, I mentioned it earlier. you got to look at this club now as having the best rotation in the American League, I think. Um, the Rays are up there as well. They may trade James Shields, though. And you look at teams like, you look at the teams that are, comp- uh, that are competing, um, the Yankees and Red Sox, they both have had problems with their starting rotation. The Tigers had problems with their starting rotation until they signed Doug Fister. And even then, they didn't have much after Doug Fister. They didn't know what they were getting out of the likes of Max Scherzer or Rick Porcello or any of those guys. So those are three big-time teams. And also, you take away the ace starting pitcher from the Texas Rangers. So Rangers, Tigers, Yankees, Red Sox, four legit title contenders in the American League, they all have questions with their rotation. The Angels, if there's anything that they don't have a question about, is starting pitching. And I'm Jim, you don't need me to tell you how important starting pitching is. So, I mean, it, it's huge for them. It's huge for them to slide a guy like C.J. Wilson in as your number three starter. A lot of teams were going head over heels to sign C.J. Wilson to be the number one or number two guy this offseason. Yeah, well, that's what, they, that's what we were talking about. I spent a lot of time with the Angels out there at the winter meetings. And, you know, we were talking about having to pay – for a for a, you know a, a basically an ace price for a guy that's going to be your third starter, but you know obviously it was worth it because you're right, you're right. You look at this rotation and then that top four guys, you know you got a chance you got a chance to not just win every day but to dominate and to you know, to, to really dominate with your starting pitching. And then of course you look at the fifth starter and you know who do you see emerging as this fifth starter? Uh, you know they just signed Jerome Williams and uh, they got Richards and Richards who came up last year and did really really well for him. Who do you see filling in as that fifth starter? I, I, I don't feel like they're going to declare a starter. I feel like they want to keep it open. Um, they want to keep an open competition in, uh, in spring training. 
Um, just because teams always like to do that with their fifth star spot. Leave it open, let them compete in spring training, um, have people something to, give something people to pitch for in spring. Um, Gary Richards, he's still, you know, he's, he's 23 years old. Um, he could maybe use a little bit more experience in the minors. They re-signed Jerome Williams, as you just mentioned. I feel like Jerome Williams may be, um, it may be his to lose, his spot to lose, Jerome Williams. Um, he did very well with them. He's a great story. Um, he pitched very well with them for the stretch last season. And Garrett Richards still hasn't even pitched in AAA yet. He pitched AA for the first time last season. Maybe give him a little bit more seasoning in the minor leagues and give it to Jerome Williams if he performs well this spring. Uh, that's just my gut feeling as to what they're going to do there. All right, well, we've talked about the offense. We've talked about the starting pitching. Now, of course, I think the Angels, about the seventh or eighth inning, are going to be winning a lot of games. But my question is, I look at this bullpen, and you tell me, do they have enough to close out these games? It's all going to depend on Jordan Walden. It's all going to depend on Jordan Walden and his development. Um, he, he showed flashes last season. Obviously, he blew a lot of saves last year as well. Um, I think he went 32 for 42 in saves last year. That's 10 blown saves. Um, but the Porto spoke very highly of him this offseason. He said, look, this kid was just a rookie. You know, he was a rookie who finished with an ERA under three and over 30 saves. And if he just keeps developing and he stays on this development track, he should take a pretty big step forward next season. Uh, we kept asking him to, during the winter meetings about acquiring a closer, about a pro- acquiring a proven guy with the likes of, uh, you know, Francisco Rodriguez and Francisco Cordero out there and a, and a few other guys. Ryan Madsen, of course, is out there, too. Um, he said that he wasn't looking for anybody to replace Jordan Walden. He was looking for somebody to compliment Jordan Walden, maybe be a guy who pitches the eighth inning, pitches the seventh inning, but could also close if maybe Jordan needs a day. He ends up signing with Troy Hawkins who hasn't really closed in a while. But um, he is a veteran with experience who had a good year last year with Milwaukee. Um, adding a good piece to that bullpen, and you got Scott Downs down there, who was one of, probably, may, may have been the best lefty, lefty reliever in baseball last season. Um, so they have pieces in the back end, but it's all going to depend on Jordan Walden. It's all on his shoulders right now. You know, the, the Angels blew 25 saves last season, if I'm not mistaken. So it all rests on him and his development. He's going to be 24 years old this season. So we'll see how he, we'll see how he improves, how he makes that leap from 2011. All right, let me ask you a question. I look at all the improvements on this ball club. I look at the excitement that we have going on here. You know, the Texas Rangers have been in the World Series the last two years. They've lost a little bit. With, despite maybe the possibility of Prince Fielder winding up there, do you see the Angels as the team to beat now in the American League West? I don't see them as the team to beat. I, I think they can win the American League West, but you look at the Rangers, they, they've been a World Series back-to-back years. And yes, they lost C.J. Wilson, but you know what? They lost Cliff Lee last offseason, and their rotation as a whole put up better numbers the year after he left. Who's to say that Natalie Feliz cannot go from closer to being a capable starter? We already saw Wilson do that. We already saw Alexi Ogando make the move from reliever to starting pitcher. And that offense is still, even with Pujols in Los Angeles, the Rangers lineup is as deep as they come. I mean, you had Mike Napoli hitting seventh last year in the playoffs. So, yes, I, um, I agree. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying the Angels can't win the AL West. I just, I, don't, I wouldn't pick them as the team that beat. The, the Rangers just went to back-to-back World Series. 
Yeah, and that's tough. That's tough. All right, well, Holden, I appreciate you giving me some time. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you out at the stadium quite a bit this year and uh, the excitement that we have going on, I think, at Angel Stadium is going to be crazy. So uh, I appreciate you, like I said, joining, and we will be talking with you soon. Absolutely, Jim. I'll see you around. Thanks for having me. All right, Alden, thanks a lot. That was Alden Gonzalez, of course. And, you know, today, ladies and gentlemen, we have spoke to two teams that have made some major, major improvements, have some serious excitement coming in, starting in spring training in 2012. And uh, everything remains to be seen. A lot of money being spent, a lot of free agents being thrown around. But overall, uh, I think you're going to see these two teams dominating the American League and the National League uh, divisions that they're in. So we will see what happens. But I want to thank everyone for joining us next week. We will find someone else to talk to. We uh, hopefully we still have the Prince Fielder sweepstakes going on out there, so we don't know where he's going to wind up yet. Uh, there are quite a few closers that are out there and a few smaller name starting pitchers. So join me next Friday, and we will talk about some new signings and some other things that are going on uh, in baseball this offseason. Of course, I want to touch next week on the replay. There's been some additional replay added and some other moves made on the rules end of baseball. So please join me next week on the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Laritz. I will see you then. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner talking baseball with your host, Jim Laritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com.